then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had immediately been healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. But only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people who must be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of the who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Yes, amen to that. One of the things we're challenging uh, us, all of us to do, myself included, through this series called My Boring Summer is to look up. And one of those aspects we're going to talk a little bit more later on is look up to the sacred, look up to scripture. I've been looking forward to this uh, teaching for a long time. It's ever since I was first asked for one reason. I just enjoy teaching here at Southbrook. But then when I found out later on that uh, some of our family members are going to be involved in the worship team as well. So Reagan, my granddaughter, then her dad, Cameron, and then Cameron's dad, Gary, all this right side, stage right, has been kind of family. And that's not to speak ill of uh, Abby and Dustin and David and Gibson, 
but a great team today and it led us in a great time of worship so I've been looking forward to this for a long time I, I will I gotta I'll be honest with you my boring summer is not something I can relate to because <laughs> I love summer some of you summer people just just like man I when they start talking about land of July and August it's like no 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 we just got into June and July so it can never be too hot for me uh, I love summer I always have I've never I don't ever remember having what I would call a boring summer vacation ever and uh, even our family you know we we love doing things of course uh, I'm involved in boating so we did our 13th straight year of water sports camp this past June and had 30 students and six boats and had a great time with that and by the way, did, you may not know this, but Ju July the 2nd of this year was the 100th anniversary of the invention of water skiing. And before some smart aleck asked if I was one who invented it, the answer to that is no. <laughs> Nor was I alive when it was invented. Ralph Samuelson is the name of the inventor, and in, 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 on a lake in Minnesota, he had eight foot, if you Google it, eight foot wooden skis that he used to, to do the very first time pulling behind a boat uh, water. His form looked terrible, but he, he invented water skiing, for which I'm grateful. So, um, but I do know that this is, a, this is a summer vacation. Sometimes it's a hard thing for some people, and you kind of, it, we, it's easy to kind of get sucked into binge-watching TV or, or just, you know, our faces down into our social media and things like that and just, just kind of forget about how we need to look up and so we're going to talk about some, some things uh, about summer vacation, things about summer, and about things, strange things that happened in church. Um, we're going to look at a portion of Scripture here in Acts chapter 20 in just a minute that is a very strange happening in church. And because of this topic, I thought, well, you know, I've been in pastoral ministry for some, really, 50-some years of ministry, of, of pastoral ministry, and there's been a lot of strange things that happened in church some of which I can't share with you uh, publicly, especially knowing that it goes out, you know, worldwide, internationally. So uh, I will share a few things, though, because I, there, there's a lot of strange things that's happened. Uh, funerals. Man, some strange things happen in funerals. I had a situation back uh, in the early 90s where a young man uh, was tragically killed uh, in an automobile accident. They didn't go to our church. And so, but they lived in our community, so they asked if I would officiate the service, which I said I'd be happy to. And so we did the service, and I noticed when he was you know, in a casket, he had his favorite band group uh, T-shirt on ACDC, which, you know, there was nothing wrong with that. And so I, uh, but then at the end of the service, I guess one of his friends had, had, unbeknownst to the funeral director, had given them the song to play while we were out filing past the casket, and it was Highway to Hell. I've never seen a funeral director run that fast in a funeral to go back there and change that song. Uh, true story. Uh, I, uh, I, just about four years ago, I did a, a celebration of life service for uh, a 34-year-old who died of a heroin overdose, and, and the family asked if we could do an open mic. I'm really not a big fan of open mics because of strange things that can happen uh, that's not planned. So. But even when I do, I make sure I always hold the microphone and I'm going to be able to, to take it away if, as quickly as I can if I need to. Well, this a young man came in. I was a friend of the deceased, and he marches up the stage, and he literally fought me, grabbed the mic, and pulled it out of my hands, and he began to do kind of a, a 
Well, it was a rap, and it was actually quite good. He must have written it for his friend because it was very, actually, well written until he started throwing in the F-bombs and other profanity. And at the time, looking up at the elder who's up in the sound booth, and I, I, I don't know what to do at this point. I can't wrestle him for the, for the microphone back, so he finally just drops the mic and marches out of the building. But uh, never heard that many F-bombs in a funeral before. Weddings, weddings, strange things happen at weddings. I can't tell you the number of times we've had puking or fainting bridal party members, bridegroom, families of the bride, parents of the bride. Uh, maybe you've heard Charlie and I share the story about we, we both had, I was officiant and he was the best man at the wedding where the, the bride tried to blow the candle out and burn it and singed a hole into her veil. And uh, true story. Uh, I had a young a, a little ring bearer who uh, in an outdoor wedding at their property, but it was a black it was a black tux affair. I mean, black tie affair, and and he marches off about 20 yards or so away from the wedding party and goes to, up to a tree and drops his trousers and takes a leak. <laughs> I'm standing there officiating and I'm wondering why everyone is looking away from me, and smiling and had no interest at all what I was saying, until I realized it was it was the little ring bearer. Uh, funny things happen at weddings. Um, Tent revival meeting, my wife, my wife Marla, was, before we met, was telling the story about uh, she was at a tent revival meeting down in one of the southern states, and a lady got really, really excited, slain in the spirit, and began disrobing. Uh, things like that. Uh, I had a guy in my church at, at Xenia who was having a, had surgery, had some type of a gastric problem. And so I'm sitting in his room, and I asked him, how would you like for me to pray anything I could pray for? And he seriously said, would you please pray that I would pass gas? And if you in the medical field, you understand how serious that was. It was a legitimate prayer. He said, hey, I really need to relieve some pressure here. So I prayed. I prayed for him to pass gas. Never prayed for that before. I don't think I've prayed for that since. But I did. Uh, a lot of people would say they would remember the time when I was preaching and I just accidentally let out a belch while I'm preaching. And I tried to cover it up with a cough. You know how you try to kind of cover things up? Well, it, it didn't work. I mean, it was clearly, I'd lost the whole audience. They knew exactly what had happened. And plus it was recorded, so it was played back a number of times after that anyway. Probably my favorite story though, is a friend of mine uh, was attending a church in Cincinnati. And uh, she was a young uh, single gal in her early 20s or so. And uh, it was her first time to visit this particular church. And so they were singing songs and uh, there was a guy behind her who apparently was quite enamored by her and had never met her before. And anyway, as the song service ended, she began to sit down and he is all thinking about how he can meet her and kind of fumble around with his hymnal and, and he kind of starts to drop it as she sits down. If you know what it means to be goosed, that's what happened with the songbook. And so after the words, he's awkwardly trying to apologize and and uh, the reason I even share that story is because they eventually started dating and got married <laughs> and had two kids. So I guess it, it works. So all kinds of funny stories or strange stories that happen in church, but nothing really compares to what happened here in Acts chapter 20 in our text. Let me give you a little background, and then I will we'll read the story. Uh, the Apostle Paul is traveling to a number of different Gentile churches because he wants to make sure that they understand that this great 
gospel message, the good news of Jesus' resurrection is uh, something that applies to all people of all ethnicities, of all backgrounds, race, color, creed. Uh, it is inclusive of every single human being, this great, amazing gospel. And the, the Gentiles had thought it wasn't for them, and the Jews thought it was solely for them. So, so Paul is really trying to go around to these Gentile cities to really proclaim the good news of the gospel being for all people. Troas is one of, the, one of these Gentile cities. He's already been there about a week and he knows he's going to be leaving the next day, so he's, he's got some things he wants to say to them before he leaves. And so he gathers a group of the believers from Troas together in a home, and that's what leads in then to our text then this morning, Acts chapter 20. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, and Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Anyone up for a good long sermon today? You got any plans this afternoon and tonight? We can just kind of keep right on going if you want. It's biblical. It's scriptural. Uh, so he kept on going until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Notice, notice Luke's language here. He talked on and on and on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. And then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate after talking until daylight. You gotta love this. Paul's gonna finish this sermon even if it kills somebody. He spoke until daylight, and then he left. And the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So I want you to see the story here. It's the first day of the week. This is the time that the, the early believers now are beginning to gather because that's the, the kind of the celebrated day of the resurrection of Christ. And so this has become their, their habit. They're usually meeting around sundown, so it's not like all day long, but around sundown. And they're meeting together to break bread, which is synonymous of both the Lord's Supper and just communal eating together, which they did often. And then that's when Paul begins to do his talking and, and Luke's recording of this is very interesting because he, he continues to talk about all this, the, the event itself that took place and not all the other things. But, but here's this young man, and the only thing we know about Eutychus is this story. I can just picture people in heaven saying, Eutychus, oh, I know you. You're the guy that fell asleep in church. And you're the guy that fell out of the third story window. That's the only thing we know about him. I remember when I was a kid, the way they taught me to remember his name You'd have cussed too if you had to listen to an eight-hour sermon. <laughs> so that's all we know about it. We don't know anything that happened afterwards, whether he was okay. I mean, at, at some point, was he, you know, is there any follow-up on him? Nothing. Just this one story in the Scripture in Acts chapter 20. So it's this idea of sleeping in church. Can we talk about this, sleeping in church? Is it okay to talk about that? Because it it's, it's happens to all of us. I mean, if I ask for a show of hands, which I won't, but if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you ever been caught sleeping in church? You'd probably a lot of us had raised our hands. And uh, it's like I, I know growing up in the church when I was a kid, 
we didn't have the cell phones and devices where we could kind of secretly play games, you know, and do the games while the preacher's preaching. We, we would write notes and things like that. Uh, but pretty much we had to sit and endure these sermons. And so we didn't have a whole lot of things to do to keep ourselves entertained. But I'm going to tell you what, I became a great fan of dozers. Because as a kid, I mean, yeah, it's one thing to fall asleep at, at work. It's another thing to fall asleep maybe in school or in, in the classroom. But, but when you see someone fighting to stay awake in church, it is funny. <laughs> and that became our greatest form of entertainment. Trust me, if we'd had cell phones, that say, hey, check out the bald guy in the third row of the second day. And we, because we were paying attention, watching for dozers. There was a guy, a pastor by the name of Michael uh, Pilati, who, who says there's four different kinds of dozers. The one is a, a Hollywood dozer. The Hollywood dozer is when you, you're sitting there, and, and I, I got to actually kind of act this out a little bit, and you, you start the head nod, and then you all of a sudden you wake, oh, hey, man, preacher, yes, yes. I, he acts like he'd been with us all along. I love that song. That's my favorite song. And uh, they, they weren't with you at all. They were dozing, but they kind of tried to act like they were okay, and they were. The second type is a shameless dozer. Shameless dozers, I love this, because they, they make no bones about it. They are going to get comfortable, and they are just going to doze, and they don't care who sees them. If it's a lady, you bring in your big purse, and you've got everything in that purse from snacks to blankie to thermos or whatever, and you have no, you're going to get comfortable. If it's a guy, it's a man, you slouch down in your chair, you get your warm drink, and you are ready, you are ready to get in a good doze. And for those of you who are watching at home today because of the rain... You're in your jammies. Yeah, you've got your, you, you're full of breakfast, and you're sitting in your recliner with your feet up, and you're watching this service, and you are a shameless dozer because you can fall asleep, and no one's going to see you at all. The shameless dozers. The third type, he says, is the spiritual dozers. I've done this before. Here's a spiritual dozer. If you watch the lower lip, the lower lip starts sticking out, and then you can watch a, kind of a drool come down, probably the chin. But their eyes are closed, but they're reading the scriptures. Or the, pray, or the preacher prays his prayer, and they're still praying two minutes after the prayer's over because they're into a doze right then and there. Those are the spiritual doze. My favorite, though, is the whiplash dozer. Okay. I'm going to show you the side view of the whiplash. If the front view is funny, the back view is funny, but the side view is really funny. And that's when the, he starts, uh, oh, and then he jerks forward because now he wakes up. And you wonder, do, does he need medical attention? Do we need to give him the number of a chiropractor? But Pilates talks about those different kinds of things. I don't know what Eutychus was. I don't know what he was looking like. I know he was, the, Luke says he was sound asleep as Paul preached on and on and on. And maybe that's why when, when Paul rushes down and throws himself on the boy, maybe that's why he was so embracing the kid. Maybe this kid's dad was there or something, and, and he felt kind of somewhat responsible for Eutychus falling asleep during his long, long sermon. It's kind of like the, the preacher who saw the, a man sleeping in the service and his son sitting right next to him and says, Son, would you wake up your dad? And the son says, You put him to sleep, you wake him up. Or the preacher took the, some students on a, a tour of the church building and they're walking through one part of the office area and there's a plaque up on the wall and, 
And uh, he said, what's that plaque? He said, those are, the, those are the men and women who have died in the service. And he said, which one, the 930 or the 11? <laughs> so what do we do with this passage of Scripture? What do we do with it? Why did, Paul, why did Luke include it in the history of the church? The Jewish rabbis would oftentimes use four different layers of interpretation of the sacred Torah, the sacred scripture. And they would say, for example, that the, the first layer was called the, the Peshat. And I apologize for my English pronunciation of Hebrew terms because it sounds very English, but this is the best I can do. But the Peshat would be the simple understanding of it. In other words, it, it is what it is. It's just the story, and don't try to make it more than it is. It's just the story. The, the Remaz would be the next layer, which is, means hint, that there is a hint of something beyond the actual story that took place. A lot of our parables are hinting at something else that's taking place and not just the story itself. There's something beyond that. Another, again, another layer of, of interpretation. But then the third is the derash. The derash is actually called compare and contrast. In fact, Jesus on a couple occasions with his parable says, let me tell you what this parable means. Let me tell you what what the, what the plant or the sower, what it refers to. He wants to make sure that I'm comparing and contrasting. Here's the story, but this is really what the story means. There's truly a, a different layer, a deeper layer of application to this particular story. But then the fourth layer is what was called the soed. And the soed is the hidden or prophetic meaning of this particular story or event or teaching which would mean there's something beyond that that's even kind of somewhat hidden in the story, but it's prophetic. A lot of revelation is written this way as more of a prophetic, hidden type of an application. Now, our story in Acts chapter 20, I'm not going to try to make it into what it's not. I really, quite frankly, I believe it's probably that first layer. It's just an event that Luke records. Let me tell you why. Um, Luke as he records, he, he oftentimes is almost like doing what a, a travel journal. He will share places that Paul is going, he's, his layovers, his locations, how long he's staying, and, uh, and it's like a travel journal. It's the history. It's not necessarily meant to mean anything more than that, that. This is just an event that happened and took place. The reason I say that is because Luke does not record anything about the content of Paul's teaching. Think about it. He preached until midnight, and then he came back for the second wave and preached until daylight. He had a lot of things he was talking to them about, and Luke doesn't record anything about the content. Only that it was midnight, on and on, and then daylight. Like it's finally over. He finally landed the plane. He finally said amen. Someone said that the role of the speaker is to speak clearly and concisely, and the role of the audience is to listen and to listen, and sometimes your role ends before my role ends. <laughs> and I think that's what maybe happened. Now, some have tried to, to twist, I think, in my opinion, and make this mean, the story mean something beyond what it is. I, had, I listened to one teacher teach because I was wanting to hear some other talks about this particular study, and, and one guy says, when Luke mentions the many lamps in that room, the idea of a lamp is the, is the revelation of Scripture, revelation of truth. So in other words, Paul was speaking many, many truths to the people in this upper room, in this, in this room. Maybe he was, or maybe Luke records the many lamps because there's a lot of oxygen being sucked out of the room with those lamps. 
and the flickering of those lamps. And now that you're trying to fight to stay awake and that flickering is kind of almost like a hypnotic effect that's causing him to fall even into a deeper sleep. He goes to the window trying to get some fresh air and he's already gone. Your guess is as good as mine. But I would tend to think that maybe that's the reason why Luke records the lamps, in my opinion. So with this understanding, I can tell you this. Scripture oftentimes will use the idea of, of sleeping or even of death as a metaphor for how we live our life. It's not so much from this passage of Scripture, but certainly in other passages we read often where it's easy for us to enter into a stage of slumber, sleepiness spiritually. And for us to live a life that's unimaginative, unpurposeful, and somewhat apathetic, and we can get into this rut of just living life, but not really alert, alert and alive. My youngest daughter, Michonne, we were attending a softball tournament down along the High River. We were camping with some other friends from the softball team. And one evening, um, unbeknownst to us, Michonne, this has never happened before and never happened since, but she slept walked. She got up and walked out of our camper and walked, fortunately, into the camper of one of our friends. And they immediately saw, what are you doing here? And then they kind of helped her up and got her back to our camper. I mean, that could have so easily gone sideways terribly. But she was sleepwalking. And it never happened before, it never happened since. But it's possible for us to be sleepwalking through life. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe it happened this morning. You're driving and you're on your way to work. You're going to a location that you have traditionally gone to you've hundreds of times. And all of a sudden you stop and think, I don't remember the last 10 miles of this trip. Now I got here safely. I was obviously following the law and, and I wasn't driving recklessly, but I don't remember anything about the last 10 miles. I don't remember the exits. I don't remember cars passing me, me passing cars. I don't remember things along the side of the road. I don't remember anything. And it's just like we were drive sleeping, sleep driving. Erwin McManus, one of his earlier books, writes the book Wide Awake. He says this, one of the big tragedies of the local church is how God unleashes the future inside and through human beings, but too many of us sleep through our dreams instead of being wide awake. He says, your imagination is the only attribute you share with God. It's the only place where you have no boundaries or limitations. Is it possible that your imagination, I love this, is it possible that your imagination is the playground where you and God are able to commune and dream together? And then he talks about your imagination being a playground or a junkyard. Which is it? When I was a kid in elementary school, and I remember this so clearly because I didn't understand it at the time, but my teachers would often when I would have parent-teacher conferences or things like that, would send notes home to my parents they would make comments about how I was oftentimes daydreaming in class and that was always presented as a as a problem or as a criticism or as a, a maybe a reason for my lack of learning in some cases it was never viewed as a positive at all and I remember thinking for the longest time that I've got to stop that I've got to that was a presented as an issue that I need to correct in my life and since since all of that I, I have 
so radically changed my viewpoint towards that that maybe the real issue was a boring teacher <laughs> maybe the real issue was lack of 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 challenging everyone in the class because we all learn differently and maybe it wasn't my problem with daydreaming maybe it was more something else but it was always viewed as my problem that I need to stop daydreaming so much boy that is so wrong I've so changed my opinion about our imaginations and how God created us in such an amazing way and that I want to live my life wide awake some of you know the, the the motto for caribou coffee life is short stay awake for it listen to Paul's words to the Ephesian church in Ephesians 5 he says for you were once in darkness but now you are light in the Lord live as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness righteousness and truth and and find out what pleases the Lord have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it's said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Some of you heard me or others talk about this word opportunity. The word opportunity is the word kairos. Maybe you remember that word kairos is a defining moment in our lives. One of our five S's is the S of significant events. Significant events are kairos moments in life where your life has a growth opportunity where it really the trajectory of your life changes because of that event or that incident or that thing that took place or what you heard and so Paul here is saying make the most of these Kairos moments in fact look at this from kind of a negative standpoint he says if, if you if you don't have this light in your life then you're asleep instead of wake up sleeper you stay asleep you stay in kind of a, almost a, a dead state, the walking dead. <laughs> and Christ's light is, is shining, but it's not reflecting. He's not doing anything to us. And so therefore, we're not careful how we live. And we're, we're not wise. And we're, not, we're missing all these opportunities in life because we're just driving right by them. We're walking right by them, missing those opportunities. And because those days are evil. So that's the negative viewpoint. Now look again at the positive because when we are allowing that light to shine upon us, then we are waking up, we're rising up, and Christ's light is shining upon us. We're not only being illuminated, but we are now illuminating as lights to those around us. And we're careful then how we live, we're wise in how we live, and we are making the most of any Kairos moment, any opportunity that comes our way. Think about that. I believe there's nothing more contagious or compelling than the life of an individual, man, woman, or student, or young person who is walking wide awake in their life. They're dreaming wide awake. And lights, Christ's light is shining upon them and they are becoming illuminating to those around us. We see their light. They are not trying to bring joy to the, they're not trying to bring joy to the world, but the joy of the world is, is coming into them and, and, and illuminating them. And they're walking around eyes wide open. We sang that song, The Simple Gospel. We want to see people as Jesus saw them. He's our greatest example of that. 
of someone who walked around wide awake. He was dreaming wide awake. And when we begin to see like he sees, then we'll see people as he does. Um, so maybe you're going to ask the question, so how, how can I become more alert? How can I wake up? How can I become more alert, uh, uh, wide awake? And that's a great question, and we have an answer for you. This whole series has been challenging us to look up and to see things differently. For example, look up and look up at the sacred. And that video that you watched earlier of the students reading scripture was so beautiful because they are looking up to see the sacred and see the scripture. I thought, wouldn't it be cool, since we're talking about strange things that happen in church, what if we, for this week, would accept the challenge of reading scripture or reading your devotions in a strange place. So for example, I thought if I'm gonna ask you to do that, then I'm gonna do it as well. So this past week, I've, I've recorded a few places where I'm reading the scripture in strange places. And I've taken it from some of my favorite Bible stories. For, for example, remember when Peter was up on the roof to pray and he fell asleep and the sheet came down from heaven. I love that story, so I thought, okay, I'll just, then I'll get up on my garage roof and I'll read scripture. Uh, Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. I don't have a sycamore tree, but I've got a backyard tree. So I read scripture in, in my backyard tree. Uh, Paul was imprisoned in a Roman jail. Well, they didn't have any empty cells, and I'm not even sure if once they locked me in, they may not have let me out. So I, I didn't, wasn't successful in getting an open cell, but I, I got in front of the Greene County Jail. Uh, Daniel was in a den of lions, hungry lions. Yeah. Yeah, the Cincinnati Zoo, Columbus Zoo wouldn't let me do that, but I found some hungry cats. And finally, then, Peter walking on water. Well, again, I kept sinking in every time I tried to walk, so I did the next best thing I could, and I had to get my boat to help me do that one. But uh, So the challenge, find some places where strange places for you to look up and see the sacred. And I would love for you to share those with me. Maybe you drop me an email or write them down and give them to me next Sunday or something out here in the, in the atrium and just find some strange places to, to see the sacred. That's one of our challenges. In fact, if you go out to the atrium area, there's a QR code that you can take a picture with your phone. There's also these uh, nice little lookup uh, uh, cards that, again, has the QR code on it. And there's also the big full sheets that give you an explanation of all these kind of ideas of how you can look up and see the sacred. The second, look up and see each other. And that's also on there, too, where different things that you can do. Normally, we have, we're able to go out into the courtyard and, and kind of hang out after the services. We're not going to be able to do that today, but we will next Sunday. Uh, but look up and see each other in our community and, and get to know each other. And then the third area is look up and see your community. And this is really one of the, the really the functions of, of City Lights. If you ever wonder, what does City Lights do? We, we're essentially trying to do that. Look up and see our communities. We're, what are the needs around us? Today is Southbrook Serves, and uh, if you're a part of that, thank you so much. If you want to hear more about it or maybe even be a part of, of either buying groceries or delivering them, there's a section out there where you can go up and say, hey, <clears throat> I'd like to be on the list, or maybe is there some need that you have today where I can help out today because today is Southbrook Serves. Maybe they still need some deliverers or something like that, and you can check out with them or sign up for future Southbrook Serves. We do it every month to just look over, out for people who need help who are under-resourced in that area. We're also going to start starting next Sunday with uh, trying to provide 
backpack resources for 200 under-resourced students in our communities. And uh, we're going to provide the backpacks. Uh, we're asking you to take a backpack, and then we'll have a list of the school supplies. Go out sometime those next week or two and purchase the school supplies, and then bring them back then on August the 7th. And again, that's all in our website, or you can go back and find out more information at the information table. But next Sunday is going to be the day we start passing out backpacks and asking you to provide. So again, just look up and see our communities and how we can help. And all of those help us to become more, more wide awake and see life and see situations and see circumstances the way Jesus did. Now... I have stayed within my limit as time. I did not preach until midnight. And I'm not going to ask you to come back and do it until morning. And I hope that you've done your job as a good listener. But uh, let us stand. And I want to close with a blessing of Scripture. And then, uh, as they did in this early day of Acts 20, they went and broke bread. So if you want to go and, and afterwards and, and have communion, um, awesome. But let me just pray this prayer this is right from Ephesians 5 this is Paul praying for this Ephesian church and you'll see why I want to pray this prayer over you the, the words are going to be on the screen so you can watch them see them you have to close your eyes in fact keep your eyes wide open so you don't fall asleep and, uh, and we will close our service this way so Paul's praying every time I prayed I think of you and give thanks but I do more than thank I ask Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what He is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life He has for His followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him endless energy boundless strength those who agreed with that said amen, amen. god bless you. have a great weekend